Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here in the Northern Rockies, dark winter months are outlasted in basements, dens, and nooks where kindred souls gather together to share intel, swap fly patterns, and relive the memories from seasons past. This gathering spot known locally as the February Room is the inspiration for this podcast. No matter the season, the door is always open to those with a fly fishing story to tell. Brought to you by CD Fishing USA the North American distributor for composite development fly rods and accessories. 40 years of Kiwi ingenuity and graphite technology now available at cd-fishing.us or your local CDUSA dealer. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And remember to go fishing. Here's your host, the Carnops, and this is the February Room. A weathered fishing guide once told me that it's easier to get into guiding than it is to get out of it. I believe he was spot on. And when our 40s come and go, guides need to have uh, some sort of an exit strategy in place. Uh, My guest today was able to roll his vast experience on the oars into a career with one of the elite manufacturers of inflatable boats. Uh, Chris McAdams, welcome to the February Room. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I'm humbled to be here, quite frankly. Well, thanks, man. This is fun. This is uh, my first uh, in-person podcast interview. So, yeah, I don't know if you got the memo or not, but COVID's gone. It's over. COVID is over, they say. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's nice to, for me personally not to be worrying about it and just going on with my daily life. That being said, I know 
there's we have a couple friends that are sick right now so i don't know i uh, i haven't bummer. been concerned with it um i've been working and guiding and taking on this new role with nrs and so it's nice to have it out of my mind and focusing on work and and doing other stuff so yeah everyone has a different take and everyone has a different experience yeah, no doubt. Um, well, um, it's it's super good to see you again. And before we delve into who you are and what you're up to, um, I know you've traveled extensively. You've been a guide for a really long time, and um, and you've got to have a fishing story to show for all of this. So. <laughs> I have a few stories. I my wife told me to not drink too much coffee before this interview and write a few things down. So okay, good man. I did that. And yeah, I've got tons of stories. I've been accused of maybe exaggerating stories at times, but, uh, you know, uh, that's part of a good story sometimes. For sure. Never, never ruin a good story with the facts. That's right. right. Never let the truth <laughs> that's say, right. get in the way of a good story. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So, oh, let's see. Here's a story. So, um, a couple years ago, pre COVID, um, I was just doing my normal routine guiding seven days a week. And I went into the, uh, one of the fly shops I work with, the Grizzly Hackle, and they were, you know, just normal day. They said, Hey, uh, you know who you're guiding tomorrow? And I said, no, you know, it doesn't really matter. Just another work day. And they said, yeah, it's uh, it's Joe Montana. And then the first thing I thought was well, why, right. why, in the, why in the heck would you want me? You know what? I guess maybe everybody else was busy or, you know, the outfitter was already booked, obviously. So perhaps that's why they gave him to me. I don't know. But uh, it will definitely go down as, uh, you know, two of the best days or the most memorable days I've ever had on the water. And so the story is is kind of a long one. So I'll try to shorten it up. Um, no, no, man. I want to. I want to hear all about this. This is awesome. <laughs> I've been accused of uh, of a few things, such as long-winded stories. So I'll try to I'll try to shorten it up. So, yeah, they just they said, you know, you're guiding Joe Montana tomorrow. I said, okay, wow, that's. I don't really get like starstruck, like, you know, as far as like. Yeah, but Montana would do it. Oh boy, and so like <laughs> you know, it could have been any actor or actress. It just I don't really Hollywood types. You know, it just. I just don't really sure. care too much about that stuff. But Joe Montana, that's a different story. No um, doubt. You know, um, I just, I think everyone, especially our age, grew up admiring and, and watching him play. You're hating him. Or hating him. him just, yeah. just kill you every oh, yeah. time. Oh, yeah. Every time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I grew so, up a Seahawks. But you respected him, that's for sure. <laughs> everyone respected him. And so, like, he, I think, is one of those um, kind of, you know, type of um, – role models. And I think there's folks that have a photo of them in their cubicle somewhere that aren't even football fans. For sure. They just see him as like a, a leader, a role model. He's kind of an average sized guy, you know, he's, you know, I mean, he's, you know, it's like right. six right. foot two or something. Yeah. You know, just right. a normal sized guy. Wouldn't and, even get drafted today, probably. Probably not. Right. And so, yeah. So anyway, um, to shorten up the long-winded story, I you know, cleaned up my, my act even, even more so than normal. And so got <laughs> well, at the, least they gave you a little heads. They up. gave me a, a day, you know, one 24 hours or something. So I cleaned up the boat and got it to the clean enough. Uh, I've been also accused of being really anal with the, the boat and the truck and, you know, that sort of thing. Sure. So I cleaned it up even beyond that point and uh, made sure I had a good lunch and all that stuff. So anyway, uh, I show up at the double tree. Joe's uh, comes out. Um, he's got nothing, no, no fishing gear or anything, just, uh, just a bottle of red wine. 
in his hand. And he was with uh, his son, Nate, I believe is his name. And, uh, uh, you know, he stood out like a sore thumb standing out there and there's, you know, people knew who he was. Well, there's guys, you know, with their, with a suit on and a briefcase standing out there in front of the, the double tree, the Finn and Porter with a briefcase with their jaw, just hanging open, you know, staring at him. Um, you know, a very recognizable, uh, figure. So yeah, anyway, I introduced myself and, um, you know, he, I, you know, I was a little nervous, obviously, just like I am now, uh, with this podcast, but, uh, uh, yeah, I introduced myself and he got in the truck and, you know, just to break the ice, I noticed he had a bottle of red wine and it was, uh, Drew Bloodsoe's winery, double, oh, double yeah. back, right. double cool. back, yeah. Okay. Walla Walla, Washington. Yeah. And, uh, I know Drew from Whitefish and mutual friends in common. So anyway, to, okay. break, to break the ice, I was like, oh, hey, double back. And Dude, that's perfect. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, you know, Drew? And I said, well, I, I know who he is. Yeah. I've, you know, uh, from Whitefish, we have mutual friends in common. And, uh, and he was kind of chuckled and, and I said, oh yeah, that's pretty good wine. You know, it's like a hundred bottle, you know, hundred and some right. bottle of red wine or whatever. And he made a joke. He said, yeah, it'll do for boat wine. <laughs> you know, and so he kind of broke the ice and we were on our way to go fishing. And, um, so anyway, uh, if we're going to the Blackfoot and so there's no glass on the Blackfoot, obviously. Right. It's illegal. And oh boy. Even yeah. if you're Joe Montana, it's illegal. So, right. Uh, we had to, uh, Nalgene in the wine? Yeah, we had to Nalgene the wine, which isn't <laughs> ideal. And for someone like that, I probably would have rolled. You know, it's right. not safe to say, right, but I probably right, would have right. rolled the deck. You can say that now. You're not guiding yeah, me yeah, anymore, man. Yeah, yeah, I can man. say that now. Well, we'll see. I, I've got all my stuff in case this, uh, you know, what do they say? Don't quit your day job. The eternal backup plan, yeah, right? Yeah, I've got a couple of irons in the fire in case uh, this doesn't go well. So right. anyway, so moving forward, um, we, we did what we had to do. And Joe was just coming off of, uh, I don't know if it was a four shoulder surgery on that right arm, that throwing arm. And, uh, I went, you know, geeked out after the, after the trip and everything and went back and watched some old footage. And yeah, you see why those guys got pounded Yeah, back then. It was totally uh, pre, uh, Lawrence Taylor. Oh yeah. Yeah. Different, yeah. different world. That right. was before the, what do they call it? The Brady rule. Right. You know, that was, that, that was when, the, <laughs> that yeah, was when the they, Brady rule, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Whatever. I have a lot of friends that are Patriots fans. So anyway, um, yeah, he was. You go back and look at that old footage, and those guys—they let them pummel the quarterback. Totally, Joe being kind of a normal sized guy. It's not like a Ben Roethlisberger type, right? You know, he's just a average sized guy. So anyway, he's got his arm in a sling. He'd just come off of a another sh shoulder surgery, and the doctor told him, you know, the last thing you want to do is this motion, which is fly fishing, casting. Sure, so he's got his arm in a sling. Whatever, we get out there, and uh, he's trying to do it left-handed, and uh, he's, you know obviously very coordinated. So he's able to do it somewhat left-handed. And so in my mind, selfishly, I um, just wanted to make sure the day was went smooth and he caught a couple nice fish and luckily he did. And selfishly, you know, of course I wanted to get a photo with him. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, he's getting into the red wine and, and, uh, I'm sure he's in pain right. uh, from the, from the surgery. Sure. And, uh, like I said, his doctor, you know, told him the last thing he wanted him to do was go fly fishing in Montana. And so anyway, we're out there and, uh, he ended up hooking a nice fish and was able to fight it with, you know, his left hand. 
and his left arm and uh, we managed to net it and I got a photo and everything and I'm sure someday I'll blow that up and have it in at my house in my fly tying room or something but uh that's so cool yeah it was it was cool man was, was that your last guide season um that was pre-covid so what would that be like three seasons ago was it that long ago I, god i, I remember so. when i remember I so. seeing a picture of that when that happened i was like no way man. i know How cool oh it was so cool and again i don't really i don't know if there's any celebrities or anything that i would be that excited about right um just I don't know. No, I mean, Joe, but to Joe's, he'd be in the top five. I think of, I think of so. people that I would, yeah, yeah. If I had a had my druthers, man, I I took a pro athlete one time, but he was a baseball pitcher, probably a guy I hadn't heard of him, and I was a baseball fan, but mm -hmm. he had pitched for like eight years for the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, he was a legit reliever, you know, yeah. he was, a, I looked him up afterwards, yeah. of course. And like, he was a, he was a legit pitcher. Top tier athlete. Right. For mm -hmm. sure. Coming off of Tommy John surgery. And, um, I remember the last day, the trip was a little tough, man. Mm -hmm. I, I gotta be honest. Like his, his brother came along and he was real kind of a needy kind of a problem guy mm -hmm. to deal with. And we were steelhead fishing and they'd never been steelhead fishing. And, you know, they didn't have like uh, a big background of, 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 you know, fishing experience behind them. And like, mm -hmm. I thought we were doing really well. We were catching some fish, but they wanted more and you know how the deal goes. Um, and then the last morning, you know, he was throwing rocks across the river, like thinking, oh man, my arm's feeling so much better. And, mm -hmm. and the guy that was running gear on our trip and, and the chef, you know, it was just kind of like at the end of his rope with this crew a little bit. Mm. And, and he walked down, his name was Jared and, and, uh, he walked down and grabbed a rock about the size of a softball and just hucked it all the way across the, all the way across the Deschutes and then <laughs> wow. turned and walked back up to camp and, wow. and, uh, kind of shut the guy up but uh it was uh it was challenging but uh that that would be uh that's amazing that you got to do that man. oh that it is... was incredible and and you know i'm very grateful and you know with this you've been doing this a long time as well and you know you meet folks and you've you know relationships and stuff you you sometimes you build relationships sometimes you meet people that become lifelong friends but this was next level this 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 whole thing and i got to take him for two days cool one, one day on the blackfoot and one day on the bitterroot and so you know that blackfoot trip went well everything you know nothing you know happened other out, out of the the norm and he got a nice big trout so that, that made me feel good and again selfishly i got a photo with him with the fish and so of course that's that and then so the next day we're headed to the bitterroot he's stuffed in the back of my truck uh, with his knees kind of up stuffed in the back seat and his son is in the front seat nate i think is his son's name um and he you know he's on the phone joe is and he's politely uh taps me on the shoulder and he says, uh, hey, because um, there was two boats um, this day. Uh, there was another guide um, with, I think it was Joe's son-in-law maybe. So there was three anglers. Okay. So there was an open seat in theory in the other boat. And so we're headed down to the Bitterroot and uh, Joe taps me on the shoulder and politely asks, hey, um, you know, would you mind if we stop by my buddy's house on the way down? He lives down the Bitterroot. If you stop by and, uh, you know, see if, uh, if he would want to jump in the other boat. Since there was a, 
an empty open seat, seat, an right. open seat. And so, yeah, sure. Of course, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do. So, um, and that his friend, he was talking to Huey Lewis and that their buddies, maybe from the Bay area or what have you. And so we went to Huey's house on Mitchell slough, blah, blah, blah. We, <laughs> we, we hung out there. Uh, that was cool. Huey, uh, went on a long rant about Mitchell slough and, sure. and I bit my tongue yep. and, uh, right. I just went, went along with it. Went, yeah. You know, what, went, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Went, went with the flow and that was great. And Huey was really nice and inviting and, um, took us into his uh he had a new what, what would you call it? it was like a he's a big duck hunter so he had like this this like duck room with a like a commercial like plucker you run the ducks through wow and it, and it rips all the feathers off of them real quick like you was he through. running that was it he, he, well he he wasn't running it but he wanted to show it to us and it was cool and he had some cool duck mounts and stuff and gave me a couple frozen ducks and anyway so we <laughs> no. so we moved on from there and again my stories got a couple frozen ducks got a couple out of frozen ducks out of it nice yeah. were they greaves or i don't <laughs> know i'll them? tell you one thing they did not <laughs> a couple brigands they did not taste good i I spent all the time. We got this wood-fired pizza oven in the backyard. I put a, I marinated these things like orange, you know, fresh orange juice and all this crap. And I, I marinated them and I tried to, I tried to roast them in the damn pizza oven. And they, the, the flavor was really good, but the ducks were tough like leather. So anyway, um. I'm sure I screwed up the, screwed up the process. Anyway, so moving <laughs> forward, got a couple ducks out of the deal. So we end up getting on the river, whatever. Um, Huey actually didn't go in the other boat. His good friend, I, Andy Carlson, longtime guide uh, down the Bitterroot. I don't know if he's retired or what. He's still working, Is I he think. still man. working? I, okay. Jeez, I was down there the other day and somebody he, had seen him. Oh, really? Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So his good buddy, Andy, he wanted to go with him. So inevitably, I guess you'd say three boats. So Andy came and joined Andy you came at, at halftime? His, or? No, he, he I can't recall what happened. He came and picked Huey up and they went in, in his boat. So there's three boats and we're doing the same stretch. And so Huey went with Andy and then, you know, the other guy, well, whatever. We are all out there on the same stretch. Like okay. I, I recall we, like somewhere around Woodside, if I remember right. Anyway, so Huey's idea was to to meet up for all of us to meet up at the, uh, Victor steakhouse. Um, and I, and in my mind, I'm thinking, yes, this is going to be awesome. You know, afterwards we're right. supposed to meet up at like, we're supposed to meet it. If we got separated, which we did on the river, we'd meet up at the takeout at whatever, four thirty or something, five o'clock. And then it was Huey's idea to go to, to the steakhouse, the Victor steakhouse, which I've been hearing about for, Right. A long time, ever, yeah. ever, and they've never been for some reason. Yeah, I went one time a while ago just because it's the same deal. Like, how have I never been in here? I'm going to swing in here and eat. But anyway, yeah. And so anyway. I, I've been hearing about this place, and you know, we would back in the day we'd take folks from Stock Farm or something, and they would mention it. Oh, it's good steaks and all this. So anyway, so he, this is Huey's idea. So I'm thinking, yes, this is going to be great. We're going to go drink some wine and have steaks with Joe Montana. Right. And his yes, son yeah. and his son-in-law. This is all time. Huey, this is going to be all time. I yeah. Can't, I can't wait for this. And so we go out on the river, whatever. Fishing was, was decent, I recall. And uh, of course we get separated. And I think, I think Huey and Andy were off wade fishing a side channel or something. And uh, so to try to shorten up the long story, we get to the takeout at the, at the time we all agreed on to meet 435 or whatever. And they weren't there. They, you know, they were late, you know, whatever. They were wade fishing, probably a side channel and got right. some 
dry fly fishing or something. And, and so they were dragging their feet. And so we're waiting there. I got my boat cinched up and we're just kind of hanging around, milling around. And, uh, Joe's like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, in my mind, I'm like, well, Jesus, I want to wait. I'll wait here until they get here. Or let's, you know, I want to go <laughs> to the right. Victor Steakhouse and, and have a steak and hang out and drink some red wine and, and, and just, you know, have that experience. Sure. And so we waited and waited and 20 minutes goes by and, and Joe's like, uh, well, so what do you think? You want to get going? And I'm thinking to myself, huh, I want to wait for those guys to get here. And I'm thinking to myself, come on, Huey, like, let's, this was your plan. Right. Let's, let's do this. Like, where are you at? Right. And so I think they just were fishing, wade fishing and lost track of time, whatever. And so of course I'm, you know, very, um, I'm just like, whatever you want to do, you know, Mr. Montana or Joe sure. or whatever, whatever, you know, it's up to you. But really, of course I wanted to go meet for dinner. And so he's like, we waited maybe 20 minutes, half hour. And so we finally, he's like, well, let's just get going, go back to Missoula. And I'm dang it. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> God dang it, Huey. And so they never showed up. We drove back, um, to Missoula. Never, never went to the steakhouse. Never went to the steakhouse. Oh, bummer. And so it was a bummer actually, selfishly. And so, um, we get back to the double tree and, you know, Joe Montana is just staying at the double tree, like an average person, just like any right. average Joe, if you will. Yeah. And, uh, and so we go in there and, uh, my friend Janine's bartending there and she has been forever. She's the manager. And so we sit down at the bar uh, it's happy hour or something. I don't know. Oysters and a, and a beverage. And, uh, so Joe ordered a martini of some sort and uh, I had a beer and Joe's son, Nate had a beer and I ordered some like oysters and chicken wings, whatever. And, uh, we're finishing that up and some conversation and, uh, they're probably going to go on to dinner somewhere. Who knows? And I was going to head home with my story. And, uh, and, you know, he says, I'll, I'll get this, you know, he says to, to the bartender, my friend Janine. And I said, uh, I've already got it, you know, I've already got it. And he kind of looks, looks out of the corner of his eye at me, like huh, the peasant fishing guide isn't buying, <laughs> isn't buying Joe Montana's martini and his damn oysters, you know, it's like, know your place, son, you know? And so Janine winked at me and, and said, you know, Chris has already got it. And he kind of shook his head like, what, you know, this doesn't happen. It doesn't, right. doesn't go like this. Right. So anyway, that was kind of nice. And so I got to buy him. Oh, that's the cool. Yeah. The peasant fishing guide bought him some oysters. So you did, you did buy Joe Montana. I did. Yeah. I did. And All he right. went on his way and I went on my way and that's that story. Well, that's really cool, man. Yeah, what, it was so um, now his, was his son, was he like, was he a, a was he an avid fly angler or was he... he you know, was he into it or he was into it? Yeah. He, he enjoyed it. And they're both obviously, you know, good athletes. So I don't think they fish a ton, but, uh, they, they were both, you know, uh, decent anglers. And yeah, I think, uh, I think Nate, uh, fishes a little bit and Joe fishes a little bit, but I think the real angler in the family, I think is, uh, is Joe's father. Um, and that's, uh, I think where they got it from, I think he's an avid angler and, and, you know, I'm not sure how accurate this story is, but from what I gather, when Nate was going to school here, um, Nathaniel, Nate, Nathan, something like that. Um, right. Yeah. He was going to school here yeah. as a quarterback, obvi sure. obviously sure. in tough shoes, big shoes to fill. Yep. Yeah. No, <laughs> so, 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 could you so imagine? I can't, <laughs> I can't. And I think, I think perhaps he played maybe if I recall, a year or two at Notre Dame 
Joe, Did he? Yeah, Joe, yeah. Joe's yeah. alma mater or something. Yeah, yeah. And then right. it wound up here. And right. So the story was, I believe that Joe Senior, maybe Joe Montana's father, was living here, and maybe, you know, um, I don't know if he was living with Nate or whatever while he was going to school, but I guess he was going up uh, fishing all the time. Joe Senior uh, up, or Joe Montana's father up at Rock Creek, okay. and was just gone fishing all the time. So I think that was the real angler. He was the real angler in the family. So, well, how cool! Yeah, what a, it was, what it was a fun. turn of events that uh, landed uh, those guys in your boat. Totally, man, that's awesome. It was fun. That's really cool. It's it's amazing when you take a, you know, the the picture that I mentioned, like, you know, that guy was injured and and he'd never steelhead fish before, mm-hmm. but just being an elite athlete, like, by day two, I mean, he could he could freaking cast right. through the wind and effectively steelhead fish and mm-hmm. like. You know, that's that not everybody can pick it up like no, that. No, not so common. I'm sure Joe, even with an, an injured wing, just trying it left-handed was actually fairly effective. Totally. And he tried it right-handed as well, and I'm sure it was painful. But, yeah, no, it was a, it was a great story and a great experience. Yeah. And it's funny because f- people ask all the time, oh, you know, who's the most famous person? You know, Joe Montana. Well, now and, I got somebody. Yeah, yeah. now finally. And there, there were some others. <laughs> I never the, had anybody that anybody would ever recognize. Well, so, there were but... some others over the years, just circumstantial. One year we took, it was a multi-boat trip, but – when we first moved to Missoula from the Flathead Valley, um, I don't know how long it's been, 18 years or something like that ago, we took Scalia and John Roberts, Chief Justice. John oh, Roberts. wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was cool. a couple boats. Oh, boy. And I actually had the Secret Service in my boat. Yeah, I was going to say, man, I bet there was heavy security on Heavy that security. And then my buddy Damon had Secret Scalia. Oh, Scalia. Wow. Cool. Yeah, Scalia wow. and John Roberts. Oh, that's cool. It was cool. Yeah, you've had some interesting, interesting days. Cool. Man. But people ask, and I say for sure uh, joe montana and it's, now, it depends yeah, on who you ask sure. it depends on who you ask though you know some some folks that are would say you know maybe scalia scalia yeah. right so, yeah anyways yeah, there's been cool. a couple not many that's awesome so um you yeah you put like 20 years in on the on the oars and mm-hmm. um started doing some work for for northwest river supply um, Northwest River Supplies, right? Yeah, yeah that's NRS. Right. Everybody yep. knows it by the acronym yes. NRS. But, yes. um Started doing uh, some work for them years ago, and mm-hmm. like they're on their ambassador team and stuff. Mm-hmm. And now you've um, you've rolled that over into a full time position with them. What are what are the what are your daily duties now with NRS? So daily duties, it's you know before um, one of my, be- my one of my best friends is a sales manager for the company, and that's the only reason um, probably. Almost certainly the only reason I have this. No way, man. You guided Joe Montana. (laughs) It can't be a coincidence that you went from Montana. Yeah, well, (laughs) that's, yeah. So basically I feel like if it wasn't for my, one of my best friends, uh, I would never be in this, have to, uh, you know, I would never be this fortunate and I would never have this amazing opportunity to work for this amazing company that's a hundred percent employee owned. It's an ESOP. That's um, so cool. Just under 200 employees. Bill Parks founded the company in 1972 in his garage with $2,000 in Moscow, Idaho. So I'm, fortunate and humbled and sometimes i feel as though i don't even deserve it but i'm moving forward i'm i'm trying my best and it so i'm the wholesale accounts manager for the northeast of the united states uh, <laughs> which i've uh, <laughs> haven't done much exploring over there but i'm about to okay uh, as, cool. well, as well as montana and wyoming 
Oh, so, okay. So they gave you your home territory and <laughs> and the other yeah. side of the the yeah. other side of the country. That's okay. Right. So there's 21 states. I'm the wholesale accounts manager. So it's, 21 states. Yeah, right? there okay. there are. And so a little overwhelmed with that. It seems a, like a bit of a kind of a monumental challenge. But just one task at a time. You know, one. One day at a time, just trying to learn and, and be open and, and uh, just trying to do the best I can. Cool. So like is like West Virginia and it, it basically goes when he, they said the Northeast, um, when my good friend told me this job became available and he said the Northeast, I was thinking like New England. Maine? Yeah, I was thinking New England states. I was <laughs> right. thinking Vermont, Maine, New Hampshire. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Right. I've always wanted to go there, especially like in the fall, obviously with the photography thing. Sure. And so, yeah, no, it's Michigan and like New York up and over. So it's massive. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. it's, uh, I mean, it's, that, it's that's huge. A broad description of the Northeast. Yeah. No, yeah, it's not really the Northeast. It's, it's all of that. So it's exciting. And, and, you know, folks, you know, I'm really excited for obviously Montana and Wyoming. I just finished a, a really, uh, fun, uh, loop work loop, if you will, through Wyoming. Um, you know, obviously went to Jackson and it was busy and, tourists were already starting to kind of stack up there. Mm -hmm. So I got out of there and went down, you know, and, and hit these cool fishing kind of, uh, trout towns. Like Pinedale. Pinedale. And That's cool Cody out there, and, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, man. Wyoming's awesome. It was cool. I just did a, just kind of a rural small town loop and met some really nice folks and just ranchers and, and some of these small towns that didn't feel, you know, it, it was just nice. It was a nice break. It wasn't, buzzing with fishing guides with brand new it wasn't craig and it wasn't craig <laughs> it wasn't bozeman it wasn't right. even missoula sure or, or the flathead sure. valley it was just it was quiet and sleepy and it just felt great um awesome. kind of reminded us of what montana was like when we moved here 25 or more years ago right so yeah anyway um now yeah, it's been fun it's going to be a learning experience and just try to remain humble and and try to learn as much as possible Cool, man. And, um, and you mentioned, uh, photography too, and, and mm -hmm. you've been a photographer for, for quite a while and, um, super talented. I've obviously seen a lot of your shots over the years. Um, <laughs> well, so, thanks. um, yeah. And you were telling me here that you've done, you know, all sorts of different types of photography from yeah. like wedding stuff to, to architecture and, mm -hmm. and real estate and obviously, um, a lot of scenics and, mm -hmm. and, fish and wildlife and yeah, and yeah tell us about your photography career yeah, sure it i don't know if i'd even call it a career it's probably not to that point but it's something i've always been passionate about and uh i think technically my first job in montana was a professional photographer and i had no idea what the hell i was doing uh a friend of mine that i met i was i moved to whitefish um for a working summer vacation i was going to go work and fish and we went all over the blackfoot uh, on the east side reservation and fished all those lakes because of course we didn't have any money and we didn't have a drift boat or a raft or anything so we were doing a lot of lake fishing and pontoon duck boats. lake so and duck all that lake, stuff mission yeah. kip i've still never boats. fished any of those Can't oh man it, man so we spent a lot of time going over there because it was inexpensive and again we didn't have a boat so we had like i think it was like a bucks bag or you know like a a pond it wasn't even a pontoon but it was a float uh what float tube a float tube yeah belly boat a belly boat yeah. so we put that on i had this you know anyway that's a whole nother story i had a borrowed chevy celebrity that my buddy left at my cabin sweet uh when he went to go commercial fishing in alaska so you know i'm dry he said i could use it so we'd put the float tubes on a bike rack and go fish all those all those um 
pothole lakes over there. Cool. East of Glacier. So where was I going with the story? Um, oh, yeah, the first job. First job was yeah. a photographer. So a friend of mine I met in Whitefish said, hey, my girlfriend's a photographer. She's leaving. Uh, I, she was moving or something. And so her job was she was a photographer for Kathy Sullivan, um, who has mountain photography. And I, as I understand it, she's still doing it. Uh, after all these years. And hmm. so I would sit there with my Labrador, uh, Kootenai, um, on, at Bone Crusher Rapid on the middle fork of the Flathead River and take photos of the rafting companies when they go through. Oh, how fun. And so That's I just cool. took her, I took her role or her position as a photographer, again, had no idea what the hell I was doing. And uh, my buddy got me this job. And so back then, of course, it was film. So I would sit there and shoot photos with my dog. Kootenai was a big black lab. He was off the mean streets of Columbia Falls. <laughs> he was orphaned, and we found out why. But someone had kicked him out, and uh, we picked him up. And so anyway, he and I would drive up to the middle fork of the flathead and sit there at Bone Crusher Rapid. He would take a stick up to the top of the rapid, drop it for himself, and swim the rapid, and then repeat that all day. Really? On his own. Yeah, wow, Kootenai how cool. That. And then I would shoot the photos. And so that was my first, my first gig uh, in Montana was – was uh, for mountain photography and uh, shooting, shooting photos. Shooting carnage in, in, carnage in whitewater. Yeah, and then the tourists could get their photos, you know, of, right. of them getting bucked out of the boat or sometimes the guide upside down, you know. Or, or barfing out of the or, back because yeah, they're hungover. Totally, all that stuff. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, that was my first gig in Montana, um, and that was a working summer vacation, yeah. Then I went back home to Washington for a year and finished up some stuff and then was like, whoa, um, I've seen the light. It's it's not here. So it's Washington State. State. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where'd well, you grow up? Tacoma, Washington. Oh, okay. Cool. And so okay. I left there, uh, you know, couldn't wait to get back to Montana and go hiking and biking and fishing. And and here we are, you know. Right on. Yeah. So the right photography on. thing, uh, I don't know if I'd call it a career, but uh, I've dabbled in it on and off for years. It's something I'm passionate about. And, you know, sometimes I'll leave it for years and come back. And so, yeah. I enjoy it, and hopefully with this new position, I'll get to um, kind of get back into it a little bit. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, there's tons of crossover. Everybody always needs a good photographer. Mm -hmm. Everybody does. Yeah. It's surprising, um, you know, just the volume now of, of, of images that are out there, but very few of them actually good. I know. You know? Well, yeah. <laughs> I and mean, I, you could go look at my entire personal library and be like, this is all junk. But well, uh, when you see somebody who's actually really good that has an eye for it and knows what they're doing, um, it's such a cool skill and talent to have. I wish I was better at it. But, well, it's uh, like anything. It, you you know, you just have to, you know, um, it's always interesting. You just have to do it, right? Rap repetition. Put the time repetition. And, and, you know, I still have a ton to learn. I barely scratch the surface after all these years. I just I have a lot to learn still. But nowadays, as we know, with uh, technology and cell phones, um, those phones, those cameras have become, you know, so, so amazing that it's a shame that I don't bring my nice camera equipment. A lot of times now I'll just use the phone like everybody else does. Right. And that's good enough for, for most situations. Right. So, right. So your, your new job, how much travel is going to be involved in this? Like going back to the Northeast yeah, or a bunch the of Northeast, travel. which apparently starts in Nebraska. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's right. But, yeah. Uh, 21 states. Worth. <laughs> um, so a lot of travel and that's one thing that kind of scared me off initially. Um, kind of to, to backpedal a little bit. Um, 
like a fool, I passed on an opportunity. Uh, a f- my friend who was the sales manager for the company gave me, I don't know, I, my memory, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago or something, maybe two years ago, uh, offered you know a position or at least one became available for me to apply for. And I kind of got scared off and was just whatever. Um, he just told me there'd be a ton of travel, like mm-hmm. like maybe one third of the year traveling, mm-hmm. gone by yourself, traveling, hotel rooms. It's great. Maybe 20 years ago, that would have been great or whatever. You know, a younger version of me would want to travel one third of the year. Right. But I was just, perhaps I used that as an excuse, um, all the travel to, to not pursue the opportunity. So that was, let's say, I don't know, two years ago or something. And I let that go. And then- had regret for doing so. Like, what are you, you know, my wife was like, are you crazy? Like, what are you going to do? Keep what are you going to do? Keep guiding. Yeah. You'd be an old hunched over man, sunburnt and crusted over. You got out just at the right time. Oh boy. Like and, late forties. Oh boy. Around you know, here, especially. Yeah, I just yeah. turned 48 and I don't feel 48, but I am. And so the harsh reality is, uh, I passed on that. And for whatever reason I came up with, I think I used the travel as an excuse quite frankly. And my good friend said, don't kid yourself. You'll be gone a hundred and some days a year traveling mm-hmm. and be by yourself uh, in hotel rooms. And then you're that person that's a traveling salesperson sitting there at the the bar, at the, at the hotel, with your computer, eating a steak, eating that's unhealthy fun. and drinking, um, whatever. It's just an unhealthy lifestyle unless you're really uh, have a lot of, uh, you know, if you can get up and have a routine and exercise, or, right? You know, go for a run or go in the the gym at the hotel and try to break <laughs> that cycle. But next thing you know, you're just a, a fat traveling salesperson. <laughs> not quite. You, you could be selling pharmaceuticals. Not quite like you that. could be selling pharmaceuticals. You could be selling rafts, <laughs> whatever. So I use that as an excuse, and my wife was like, "You're a fool." can't believe you passed on that. Are you crazy? 401k, profit sharing, ESOP, an amazing totally. company. Right. You know, you're a fool. And I was like, yeah. Plus she's like, I could use a little, yeah. I could use a little time alone at this point. Well, and that's the funny part of it is, <laughs> is quite frankly, my, my friend said to me and we're all, you know, really good friends and he knows my wife very well. And, uh, he said, just make sure you communicate to your wife how, how often you'll be gone or, you know, one third of the year up to. And I said, yeah, I said, yeah, I, I communicated that to her. And she said, bye-bye. Didn't get a lot of pushback. She huh? said, goodbye, get <laughs> yeah. going, get out there, work hard. She's been, yeah. you know, she works for the state. She gets, you know, she's done her part. And then she some. supported a fishing guy for a long time. She sure as hell did. Right. And right. Health and, the older we get, the more important totally. health, health insurance becomes retirement. You know, we just met with a financial advisor to try to make a plan for retirement. Right. Yeah. And she's much more organized and you know, for me, I've always, it's, it's a, you know, I'm not proud of it, but I've always been like, I'll work hard, make money, spend it, enjoy life. You know, we don't have children, so it's a little different, right. not saving for college funds and stuff like that. So anyway, the point is she's done more than pull her weight and she's saying, okay, now it's your turn, you know, mm-hmm. get out, get out there and work. And if it means you traveling a bunch, so be it. Well, you know, you got a great job, man. Um, congratulations uh, to work for such a cool company in the industry that you've been in for a long time. It's it's kind of every like guy's dream to eventually land a job like this. So um, yeah. good on you, man. Thanks. That's, that's great. It's um, uh, again, uh, it's, you know, more 
you know, like they say, the, the who you know and not what you know. Um, and so I just feel very grateful and humbled to even have this opportunity. So I'm going to do my best. Somebody told me the other day, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. That's right. So somebody <laughs> must know you. Well, it's, again, <laughs> just a, a good friend that gave me this opportunity. I would never have the opportunity if it wasn't for this this good friend. So, Well, cool, it. man. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, um, what's the best way for folks to learn more about NRS? Just going to the website and yeah, um, going to the website. There's a bunch of information on there. There's uh, they do a bunch of really cool. Um, oh, there's all kinds of information on there. There's uh, podcasts and some amazing athletes that are that are kayakers and that do all kinds of you know really incredible. Uh, whitewater and, and you know you can go on there's a duct tape diaries they have um, if you dig through the website there's a bunch of really cool stuff uh, there adventurous stuff around the world uh, incredible uh, people and athletes it's just it's really cool it's called duct tape diaries but yeah the website has a ton of information really cool company Thanks, um, yeah. I, I read about it uh, prior to this obviously I've known about NRS for mm -hmm. I grew up with NRS you yeah. know it's just one of those brands like, yeah we were a river family mm -hmm. and uh, just one of those brands that you're always around mm -hmm. but I, I hadn't ever taken the time to like read about the history of it and everything sure. and, yeah like you said he started it in his garage in Moscow Idaho right yeah, and, and yeah. so cool and I um, had a chance to, I went over there for training uh, for four days to Moscow and you know, to tell you what type of company this is, um, you know, Bill Parks, I think he's pushing 80. Um, and he picked me up for lunch. Really? Uh, in his Subaru, just to tell you kind of what type of a company this is. And, you know, he's PhD, I believe, a professor. Um, and that's what brought him to Moscow, Idaho. But uh, he picked me up for lunch and it was, you know, just like. Just, it's so amazing. He picked yeah. me up for lunch in his Subaru, and we went to his favorite spot to to eat. It was I don't know. I, we went to his favorite breakfast spot. It was like two o'clock, or I'm sorry, it was, well, it was eleven something, and we ended up leaving at two o'clock, and so it was two and a half hour lunch. Um, they told me that that was the longest lunch ever for any employee. Really? Yeah. That's super so cool. we sat wow, there and chatted. that's awesome, man. Should, yeah, it was incredible. It was I mean, incredible. how many companies can you that are that big? Could, would you ever have even meet? Yeah, the founder. Never, you would let never alone, meet him. He comes and grabs you and takes you to a three-hour lunch. That's really cool. Yeah, it was cool, and, yeah, and it was humbling, awesome. and it, it just really—it uh, was just an eye-opener. Um, you know, he is an interesting person, an interesting life story, and incredibly intelligent. And so, it was uh, a very uh, incredible opportunity for me to chat with him and. He shared some amazing life experiences, and, and then it turned into a situation where I was really curious about his life, and I was asking him. It almost felt like an interview, kind of like this. I was asking <laughs> him a bunch of questions. You know, when did you first fall in love with Whitewater? You know, whatever. Like, when when is your first memory of of uh, you know of you know um, thinking to yourself, wow, this is something I really am passionate about and want to pursue. And he told an amazing story about, you know, uh, running a gear boat on the Grand Canyon or something like that. It was really, really inspiring. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty incredible. So very fortunate. Awesome, man. Um, we were fortunate enough to be next door neighbors to the NRS, uh, booth at a, at a show recently. And I was checking out, um, the slipstream, right? Yeah, yeah. The slipstream yep, packages? Yep, it's a slipstream uh, fishing package. Yeah, we've kind of upgraded the fishing frame. And, you know, kind of to your point earlier, anglers have been using the products for years um, and, and are familiar with 
familiar with NRS, but um, now NRS is uh, kind of spending some more energy on on fishing products and uh, this slipstream raft fishing package fishing frame and raft is a kind of a new thing for this year. And yeah, it's uh, there's three different sizes. There's a, a little boat, a nine foot six for two people. One you could put in the back of your truck um, or on top of a, of, you know, a whatever on top of the vehicle, even I see. Right. And as we know, there's a bunch of them out there now, um, little two person vessels to, to get away from the crowds. You could throw it off a bridge or whatever, drag it in a long ways. And then there's a medium-sized 12-foot raft package and then the standard 13.9, like normal size fishing raft. So, yeah, that's new for this year and they'll be out next year. And, yeah, that's uh, something that I'll be selling a bunch of, I have a feeling. Yeah, I think so, man. It looks like a really well-designed package. And the price, I really couldn't believe for just a turnkey fishing raft that, like, you know, just the kind of thing that you would need for around here, right? Like just one and done boat for sure it's uh you can buy it as a package it, it comes with everything oars um this new fishing frame um as anglers we've used nrs you know products rafts frames forever but uh in my humble opinion they finally have this thing dialed in the fishing frame that is mm. you know just basic stuff like the anchor system the anchor rope is encased in the side rod bar. holders yeah built rod in, holders, right yeah. wrap around the side right like yeah totally all the stuff you used to have to piece together on your own correct mm-hmm. right. correct exactly so finally it's all in one package and uh just got off the phone this morning before i came to meet you with an old school outfitter in wyoming and he was asking about him um and yeah, so, you know, it's he, but he said he wanted to see one in person, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to know when I could bring one down there. So I'm going to use that as an excuse as soon as I get one in my hands to put it on a trailer and uh, drive head, back to Pine drive, Dale. drive back to Wyoming <laughs> and all over the, just yeah. all over the place. This place is awesome. And I can't wait to, uh, to use that as an excuse to go out with these outfitters and go fishing with them and show them the boat. So yeah, it's hopefully it all works out. There you go, man. That, yeah. Well, that sounds a little bit better than the, the picture that you painted of the of the uh, showering salesman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Sitting at the sitting at yeah, the hotel bar. Exactly. Putting uh putting a steak on the company card <laughs> and drinking too much. Yeah. Yeah. Try to avoid that. Right on. All right, man. Well, thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and yeah. uh, um, look forward to to seeing you out there. And I'm. Uh, going to pull the trigger on one of those boats here in the next couple of years i'm ready for an upgrade so. for sure yeah let me cool. know we'll get you into one and uh thanks for taking the time and thanks for having me i i, I really appreciate it justin right on man go to the february where you can access a complete library of our podcast and read more about our guests their fishing stories and favorite fly patterns we're always looking for exceptional fly fishing yarns and if you have one to spend shoot us an email at info at thefebruaryroom.com. The February Room is always free, but if you feel like throwing a nickel in the pond, we appreciate any additional listener support. For companies and individuals interested in sponsorship opportunities, please contact us for our media kit. Thanks for stopping by the February Room, and we'll see you down here next week.